welcome to the program. I'm your host, Neil Howard, here on Health Professional Radio. Thank you so much for joining us for another segment. I'm going to be speaking with Montessa Lee. She's joining us here as a small cell lung cancer survivor and a SCLC community advocate. She's been an advocate since uh, 2006. She's joining us to talk a little bit about her journey, how she navigated her diagnosis, and um, a little bit of how her, her story of survival told through the Nothing Small About It program can possibly and hopefully inspire others. Welcome to Health Professional Radio, Montessa Lee. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. A, a bit of your background, if you would, and then let's talk about your diagnosis. Sure. By my professional um, job is I'm an educator, mm-hmm. a specialty in special education. But at the age of 28, I, I entered this world of lung cancer when I was diagnosed with small cell lung cancer. I was misdiagnosed twice before they finally gave me an x-ray when I visited the ER and they found a 15 centimeter mass, which eventually would be a diagnosis of small cell lung cancer. What were the initial diagnoses that you say it was misdiagnosed twice? So the first time I went to an urgent care clinic and they thought I had costeochondritis, like inflammation around the ribcage. They poked around a little bit and I winced. And it made sense to me because I was working out that summer, you know, lifting some weights. And I said, yeah, maybe I pulled something. The second time I went um, to a primary care doctor, I had developed a cough and still had that chest pain. And they said, yeah, bronchitis. never gave me an x-ray. And me not knowing they should have given me an x-ray to diagnose me with bronchitis. They said I had bronchitis and they also heard a heart murmur. And they sent me home with um painkiller and, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, an inhaler and an antibiotic. And I ended up back in the ER the first week of December of that year, 2006. And that's when they finally gave me an x-ray and three-fourths of my lung would be covered with this mass. Looking back, were there any warning signs or signals now that you've um, been on this journey? No, I, um, all of a sudden that year, I remember even being in the classroom, uh, I, I'm I'm a special education teacher by trade, and I would go in different classrooms, and I would visit the classrooms, and I would sit there, and I had chest pain. I would tell my coworkers, um, I parked. I thought I had developed asthma, is what I thought happened, but but it all happened within a span of months where I started feeling the pain and shortness of breath. I would park my car, and and there's no hill, no incline. I park my car and walk to the front of the school. I had cafeteria duty that year and walked inside for breakfast and had to sit down because I could barely breathe. I was like, <sighs> you know, panting. And I thought I had developed asthma. I, did, I didn't know the symptoms of asthma either. Mm-hmm. I just assumed the shortness of breath came on and I had developed asthma. And my coworkers later on reflected on that. They were like, and I had back pain, which I didn't um, connect either. I remember driving home in November to North Carolina from Maryland to um, see my parents for Thanksgiving and stabbing back pain, which I just associated with some nerve pain. Didn't, mm-hmm. I never connect all these things together. You know, you trust your doctors. I went there and thought, yeah, maybe, you know, I'm working a school. I have bronchitis. Maybe mm-hmm. I, you know, just blindly walking in. Since becoming an advocate, how common is your cancer misdiagnosed? You know, that's a good question because since being in the advocacy personally, I've met one person with small cell. Um, I know some other people virtually that I've met, um, but they had a transformation. Mm-hmm. So I haven't heard the story about them, anyone saying they were misdiagnosed. I've heard young people, though, with 
even non-small cell lung cancer like myself that had to go through kind of hoops and hurdles. Um, another person I know in the advocacy world, but she has non-small cell. She had to go, she really had to advocate for herself and say, no, something is wrong. Um, you know, look at the scans again, do this. Um, and she ended up having um, an earlier stage of lung cancer. Is it a lack of awareness or education or even resources within the healthcare industry? Is that why it's such a disease can go misdiagnosed or undiagnosed by professionals? I mean, let alone the patient who's just living their life and thinking maybe they, maybe they pulled a muscle or have asthma. Right. And when I first started this advocacy work, that's what I my lens was on young patients to say, you, you know, this can be a young person's disease. My oncologist, when I, I received the diagnosis, and I, you know, was talking about how many times I was misdiagnosed before. And he said, well, you're, you were 28 years old, otherwise healthy, non-smoker. It wouldn't have been the first, second, third, fourth. It would have been nowhere on their radar mm-hmm. to think it was cancer. Mm-hmm. And part of that also is because small cell in particular is usually caused by almost 80 percent in smokers and usually occurs at an older age. So I was already an outlier. Mm-hmm. Um, of something that wasn't even on their lens. They checked my heart when I had trouble breathing. So I guess they, you know, knew young people can have heart disease, but never thought to. And in my case, I guess it was just um, a level of, of, I don't, lack of a better word, um, just failure to even give me an x-ray when they said I had bronchitis. And and I didn't know to advocate to say I need a chest x-ray. Is your advocacy more focused on advocating for the patient themselves, you know, taking control of our own health care, asking some of the right questions, teaching us how to ask those questions and what questions to ask? Or is it more focused on getting the healthcare industry as a whole to educate themselves, to uh, look deeper and uh, to, I guess, listen more to what uh, patients are saying when they come in? Well, now my stance has kind of evolved. So you know, initially that was my thought when I first got diagnosed. Then I started doing research and saw that, you know, there weren't many gains for lung cancer in 2006. The, the results, the prognosis had stayed the same. And then I started getting in advocacy work and I went to events and I saw all these posters and, and studies for non-small cell. And it was almost like we were the Cinderella child, mm-hmm. just not small cell. So here I am, a young patient, gets di- misdiagnosed twice. Then I go to these advocacy summits and I see, you know, oh, yeah, there's these organizations for lung cancer. And I see tons of things for non-small cell, which by far more people are diagnosed with not like if you look at lung cancer, there's a higher population of patients with non-small cell than small cell. And small cell has a lower prognosis rate. You know, the, the results are good. So I said, well, I need to get on the map. You know, small <laughs> cell lung cancer needs yeah. to be on the map. We, we can't be the Cinderella story here. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've shifted. And then I saw African-Americans are impacted more, too. So so I was like, wow, we have to do something. How can we get mm-hmm. even equity in health care? And, and so that equity, not only for race, not only for age, but also for different types of cancer. Why is lung cancer the leading cancer killer and one of the least funded? Mm-hmm. Doesn't make sense. I understand that Jazz Pharmaceuticals, in uh, cooperation with some other organizations, some leading organizations as far as cancer research and awareness is concerned, launched the Nothing Small About It campaign. 
Well, how I got involved also is the Lung Cancer Foundation of America, which um, do some advocacy work with them, and they have a speakers bureau. They have a, a person on the panel as well, and I was on the panel to help look at what the what would be in this one shop um, stop. Almost like if you think about why are Amazon and Walmart so successful? Because you can go to these places and get anything you need. So mm-hmm. for a small cell lung cancer patient, I don't have to go all over Google Doctor or all of these just generic cancer websites. Mm-hmm. I can go to a hub that is specifically designed for small cell lung cancer. So I was able to review some of the material. My story is also featured on there as a survivor story on the website and um, give my input from the lens of a patient about what could be placed on this hub. And do you ask input from uh, people who participate for their input to maybe add or change certain content? Oh, yeah. There was there were several people that um, participated. And when, when you say organizations, a lot of these organizations were lung cancer organizations. So they work with patients. They hear the patient voices. They work with the caregivers. So everybody added input. It was definitely a team effort. Well, Montessa, give us a website where our listeners can learn more about the campaign and hear your story as well. Oh, sure. And, and of course, we love the name because it is called Nothing Small About It, and there is nothing small about small cell lung cancer. So please, you know, visit our website, our one-stop hub at www.nothingsmallaboutit.com. Well, Montessa Lee, I appreciate you joining us here on the program this evening. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and uh, good luck in the future, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Montessa Lee. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, listen in, download at SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Health Professional Radio.